Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and glad you're with us again. And if it's your first time, welcome and uh, hope you make a habit of uh, taking in some of these uh, cobwebby corners of jazz history. We tend to focus on certain smaller elements of jazz recorded history, focused elements, hence the title of the program. Today we're going to be listening to some hot music, hot jazz of the 1930s, early 1930s, uh, done by a white band, a white dance band. And these are recordings that are not terribly well known. Uh, generally, uh, this period of time from, say, 1930 to 1933 is considered kind of the dregs of uh, jazz at the time. Because of the Depression, uh, the bottom had fallen out of the recording industry and uh, people were, were not buying records in the, in the numbers that they had before and recording companies were going out of business quite often and the ones that were in business were trying to uh, stay the middle ground and, and uh, produce recordings that would be marketable to the largest number of people who might have the 75 cents or whatever it costs to buy them. Uh, these recordings we're going to listen to today though are really kind of buck that trend. Uh, they were done by a group that was known primarily on these records as Joel Shaw and his orchestra. Joel Shaw was, in fact, a piano player who was playing on these sides. He sings some of the vocals, he plays the piano solos, um, and uh, presumably he, he led the recording date, although the band is actually the one that was led by Gene Cardos. And Gene Cardos was a violinist and a saxophone player uh, who had a group that uh, held forth at the Gloria Palast in New York City. It was actually in the Yorkville section of the Bronx, which uh, was a primarily uh, German, Jewish, Hungarian area at the time. And uh, notable for uh, its location, the Gloria Palast was actually in the basement of the building that housed the Musicians Union uh, for New York. So there was quite a lot of traffic that was going through that ballroom, and a lot of uh, people listened to the Gene Cardos band. And Cardos had been recording for RCA Victor for about a year or so before these Joel Shaw sides were made. Uh, it was a pretty hot band. Uh, no really well-known soloists or, or people later in jazz were in the band, but they were a very cohesive unit. Uh, Cardos put the band together to be a dance band, and he prized musicianship and uh, good musicianship. He uh, was interested in hot solos, but he wanted uh, musicians who could play uh, the stock arrangements of the day and some of the specialty arrangements that were made for this band uh, quickly and uh, without rehearsal and so forth. And so he had a, a band of pretty crack uh, music readers, and uh, for that reason, and the fact that it was uh, playing in the basement of the uh, Musicians' Union, uh, a lot of the uh, publishers and arrangers for the publishers doing what we call stock arrangements would take their uh, unfinished arrangements or just finished arrangements down to the uh, bandstand of Cardo's band and have them play through it so they could hear it. Of course, you couldn't put them on computers or anything in those days, so they had to have a live performance. And the band was so good they could just play them through at sight and the uh, arranger could get a sense of what was working and what wasn't and fix things if needed to be before uh, uh, they submitted them to the publisher for uh, publication. And these arrangements, which were usually for dance bands of between 10 and 12 pieces at the time, uh, would then be published and uh, sent all over the country, all over the world, in fact, uh, as examples of American dance band music. So um, musicians in, uh, or bands in all parts of the country or world could play uh, these pop tunes that were coming out at the time. The reputation, shall we say, of stock arrangements later on in the swing era was pretty low. They were considered to be kind of dumbed-down arrangements of things that were played by major bands, like Count Basie or Benny Goodman or Glenn Miller or what have you. But at this point, from the late 1920s especially, uh, into the mid-30s when the swing era started up, the stock arrangements tended to be quite uh, quite good, and uh, some of them, the best of them, uh, were, were considered uh, very high-quality musical products uh, by the musicians themselves. Uh, one of the stock arrangers who apparently had a connection with uh, the Cardo's band was a fellow named Archie Blyer, and we're going to hear one or two of his arrangements that uh, probably were premiered, if you will, by the Cardo's band, and uh, recorded by both the Cardo's band and the other named uh, Joel Shaw unit, and uh, at some point we're going to actually do a program on Archie Blyer, who's an interesting guy. He was a stock arranger, he was a band leader, a songwriter. He later led the uh, uh, studio band for Arthur Godfrey on radio and television. He founded Cadence Records, had a couple of hit records in the 50s, and so forth. So we will talk about him at some point on a future podcast. So these Joel Shaw recordings were 
for the most part, hotter recordings than the Cardos Band, although the Cardos recordings had a pretty high percentage of jazz, uh, considering the time and the fact that it was a white dance band, but uh, the Shaw recordings were probably about... 50% jazz, if you can make a make a contribution like that. Um, they were done for the Crown label. As I said, Cardos initially was recording for um, Victor, but he also recorded for other labels as well. And Crown, uh, the label that Shaw did, was a, was a budget label that may have had some affiliation with Victor. Victor may actually have owned that or had some distribution rights or something. It's a little bit murky at this point, but it was a label that put out dance band recordings. So we're largely of stock arrangements. There were probably things that uh, publishers wanted uh, to have recorded and so forth. Some of them were studio bands, but as I said, this band was a working unit, even though it was not called the Gene Cardos Orchestra. Uh, the Joel Shaw Orchestra was uh, definitely the same group. So we're going to start out with five tunes done by this band, and all the Joel Shaw recordings were recorded between uh, December 1931 and December of 1932, and as far as we know, they had a consistent personnel. It's a little, uh, again, murky as to the personnel details here, because there were not a lot of well-known musicians in this band, but fortunately, some of them were interviewed in the 1980s, and they kind of reconstructed the personnel. So the group that we're going to hear consisted of two trumpet players, and uh, we believe that the trumpet players were Sammy Caspin, who played lead trumpet, and Red Jaime, who I think his real name was uh, Jaime Rosenbaum, and he plays the jazz trumpet. He was quite a good hot trumpet player. A fellow named Pete Salemi plays trombone. We'll talk about him a little bit later. In the saxophone section, we had... Uh, three saxophones. Uh, we had Mo Cohen playing alto sax. I believe he played lead alto. Uh, Nat Brown played alto and some of the clarinet solos. Actually, I think he played all of the clarinet solos. Uh, the one name that might be familiar to um, jazz aficionados from later on was the tenor sax player, Gabe Galinas, who also played for Glenn Miller later on in the his Victor period, about oh, eight or nine years later. Joel Shaw uh, was on piano. Uh, Sal Sussman was on banjo and guitar. Max Goodman is on tuba, and kind of a remarkable tuba player. We hear a lot of four-beat on here. Uh, very driving beat uh, on tuba, and uh, the whole rhythm section gets that driving beat. And a lot of it is due to the drummer, whose name was Smith Howard. And then we're going to hear on vocals uh, a lot of uh, vocals by the studio vocalist Dick Robertson, who was not a regular member of the band, but he was on many of these recordings. He also recorded with uh, Fletcher Henderson and Duke Ellington. He, he was a very well-known voice, recognizable voice in the early and to mid-30s. So the five tunes that we're going to hear right now, coming from the first period, starting actually in um, January of 1932, are Business in F, which is an Archie Blyer tune. He arranged this, and this is a pretty faithful rendition of the stock arrangement, uh, along with a vocal, which uh, sometimes is not included. Then from there, we're going to go to the uh, standard, the old standard, even by 1932 standards, Some of These Days. And then uh, to Alexander's Ragtime Band, an even older tune, uh, uh, Irving Berlin from 1911. And then Sing a New Song, which is a uh, contemporary tune from, the, from this period, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, all of these have vocals by Dick Robertson. And then we're going to finish up that set with a tune called My Extraordinary Gal. And that uh, is one of the few kind of mid-tempo tunes that we're going to hear today. And again, featuring vocals by Dick Robertson. So, those are our tunes right now. Business in F, some of these days. Alexander's Ragtime Band, Sing a New Song, and My Extraordinary Gal. <laughs>
that business. Oh, that business. That certain business. Certain business. A funny business. Funny business. Give me that business in him. Feet up happy. Feet up happy. Make it snappy. Make it snappy. Keep me happy. Keep me happy. Give me that business in him. Come on, start it. Moving easy. Come on, now, make it breezy. Hit it, Dad. Don't you tease me. Oh, don't be hiding. Keep it flying. Now you're riding. Give me that business in M.
Come on and hear Alexander's Ragtime Band. Come on and hear, come on and hear, it's the best band in the land. They can play a bugle call like you never heard before. That's just the bestest band, what am? Honeyland, come on along, come on along, let me take you by the hand. Up to the man, up to the man, who's the leader of the band? And if you care to hear the Swanee River played in ragtime, come on and hear, come on and hear Alexander's ragtime band. Mm-hmm. 
not an ordinary gal that I love Cause she was sent to me from heaven above I'm never blue as long as I'm thinking of My extraordinary gal She means the world and all to me that is true If she should ever leave me I'd be so blue There's no one else can give me love that is new My extraordinary gal She's got a lot of something I crave In her dreamy eyes I'll tell the world I'm only her slave How I idolize her personality When clouds are heavy, that's the time that she sings She don't want pretty clothes or big diamond rings She wants a cottage full of cute little things My extraordinary gal Five recordings from early 1932 by Joel Shaw and his orchestra. And uh, as I said, that was the Gene Cardos Orchestra. And even some of uh, the recordings made under Cardos' name initially were re-released under a variety of different pseudonyms later on. But this um, Joel Shaw uh, series was a pretty self-contained one. They had a couple of pseudonyms going as well, which we'll see coming up. Joel Shaw, as I said, was the pianist. His real name was Joel Schwartz. He apparently had uh, been playing in groups with Cardos since... Uh, Shortly after World War One, I, I guess, in the early 20s, they had a smaller group. Uh, they were on the vaudeville stage, and then they ended up uh, auditioning uh, for the job at the Gloria Palace and uh, increasing the size of the band to a standard 10 or 11 piece, which is, as I said, the uh, normal uh, size for those stock arrangements that were being produced by publishers, and uh, we just heard several of them. There was a fellow named Benny Green who's credited as being the chief arranger for this band. He was a saxophone player who later went on to write theme songs for the Sid Caesar show and some other things as well, did some fairly high-profile work. Um, he may have arranged these as specials, but I suspect that what he probably did was uh, rearrange some of the stocks as well, because as I said, there are definitely a number of Archie Blyer stocks floating around in here and some other ones too. This was a band that was uh, known on record anyway as a pretty hot band as far as the white bands of the early 30s went. When you think of jazz bands from that period, you think of uh, white bands anyway, you think of the Casaloma Orchestra, Ben Pollock and the Dorsey Brothers. There really weren't too many other ones in New York who were playing hot music, but Gene Cardos was one that's been overlooked. Another one that we're going to be doing a podcast on a little bit later is Joe Hames and his orchestra. So there was was some were a few uh, outposts of, of jazz among the white dance bands in this Depression era. So we started out with um, Business in F, which was, as I said, a pretty straight reading of the stock with a vocal by Dick Robertson in there. We got into some more jazz territory with Shelton Brooks' tune, Some of These Days, recorded in February or March of 1932. All of these for Crown Records. We heard some good clarinet playing by Gabe Galinas and um, uh, some uh, Red Jaime trumpet playing as well. Then, that was actually from 1910. I said the Alexander's Ragtime Band was an earlier tune. It was not. That was from 1911. Some very good jazz on that as well. And then we go to a tune from that period, from 1932, Sing a New Song. And uh, that had some good playing, jazz playing on it as well. That tune was by Milton Ager and Ned Weaver. Uh, we heard some fine tenor sax by Gabe Galinas, uh, where he starts out playing a, a straight eight bars and then goes into a jazzier eight bars. Uh, and then we um, ended up with uh, uh, My Extraordinary Gal, uh, which was a tune by the pianist Terry Shand. And uh, that was another uh, quieter but still hot performance by this group. 
of special mention, I think, is the trombone player, Pete Salemi. Uh, Pete Salemi was a fellow from Rhode Island. He was born somewhere around 1900, I guess. Uh, he uh, ended up in New York in the early 1920s playing trombone, and he was a good enough uh, legitimate trombone player, reader, and so forth, that he never really toured with any bands, I don't think. He would uh, sub in a variety of bands that came to New York that needed a player when, you know, one of their players was waiting out the union regulations or was sick or drunk or whatever, uh, and he played with quite a few groups. I got to meet Pete in the late 1990s. I actually made a recording with him myself. He was quite old in his mid-90s at the time, but still playing very well and had a lot of interesting stories. He was one of the uh, first members of the New York local, was it 803, local musicians union, and I think he had a two-digit two union number. He was uh, so early in the, on the list there. He also remembered going up to W.C. Handy's office and playing songs for him, including On Hager's Blues, which I think was published in the early 1920s. So Pete had a lot of stories, and he was a good jazz player, as we can hear from the occasional trombone solo on these sides. So now we're going to listen to five more tunes by the Joel Shaw Orchestra. Nice hot tunes from this period. These will run from uh, the session of March 10th, 1932, up through June of 1932. So we're going to begin with Dinah, a great jazz standard. Um, this may have been an Archie Blyer arrangement. I'm not so sure about that. But uh, the next one definitely was Mouthful of Jam. That was a... Uh, uh, a tune that uh, talks about a, the, 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 the grim end to a, uh, a certain person. You can listen to the lyrics as declaimed by Dick Robertson, but had some good hot playing as well. Then we're going to hear at the Darktown Strutters Ball, and this is almost a, a retro arrangement that features a little sort of semi-corny Dixieland ensemble in there, um, and some good solos as well by Pete Salemi and uh, Nat Brown. Then we're going to hear the... Uh, tune that was known as The Call of the Freaks, or The Garbage Man Blues, and this was originally recorded by Louis Russell. This became a favorite of the Western Swing Bands. I believe Milton Brown recorded this. I think Bob Wills did it, too. Uh, it was a blues tune, and uh, an interesting uh, sort of sequence of solos as well, minor, going to major, and so forth. And uh, we'll hear some uh, good pizza lemme on here as well. Our last tune in that set is going to be the Don Redmond tune, How Am I Doing, Hey Hey, recorded by a lot of bands in the 1932, 33, 31, 32, 33 era. We're going to be doing a podcast of the Don Redmond band, the Connie Zinn band from 1931, coming up pretty soon as well, and we'll hear that. Uh, he also recorded that for a Betty Boop cartoon uh, that we may have to excerpt as well. But this will feature the, the fellows in the Gene Cardo's band under the baton of pianist Joel Shaw. And so those are our tunes for this set coming up. Dinah, Mouthful of Jam, The Darktown Strutter's Ball, Call of the Freaks, which also features a vocal by Joel Shaw, I forgot to mention, and How Am I Doing, all by the members of the Gene Cardo's Orchestra. <laughs> Thank you. 
Cause my daddy might change your mind about me Oh, Dinah, if she wanted to China I would hop a notion minor Just to be with Dinah was Louie. He was fatter than a sugar-cured ham. All the smokies worshiped Louie cause his music drove him squee and he always sang a number with a mouth full of jam. He was doing fine until he met Bedelia, but Bedelia wouldn't let him behave. He forgot about his playing and just left his trumpet laying And she led him down the road that took him right to his grave Well, the fatal evening started with a party And the program wasn't meant to be hot but it turned into a riot, and before the place was quiet, there was someone on the floor, and he was more than half shot. In the meantime, Louie hadn't heard the shooting. He was sleeping like an innocent lamb. When he woke and looked around him, the police had come and found him with a pocket full of pistols and a mouth full of jam. He was sentenced by a judge and by a jury. When he heard it, he turned cold as a clam. Though he prayed to be commuted, he was duly executed, and he got it all from singing with a mouth full of jam. When the devil saw him coming in the distance, he said, boys, I guess we'd better all scram. Cause that smoky syncopatin' will be much too hot for Satan And I know he'll burn up Hades with his mouth full of jam
baby, don't you be late I'm gonna be there when the band stops playing Remember when we get there, honey The two steps, I'm gonna get them all I'm gonna dance out both my shoes When they play them jelly roll blues Tomorrow night at the dark time Strutter's ball Out your can, lady. This is the garbage man. Oh, we don't want any today.
I know a gal named Sadie Green, hardest gal in New Orleans. She loved to dance, she loved to sing. She'd even take a chance in any old thing. The other night down at the hall, when the band would play, Miss Sadie'd go out on the floor, and this is what she'd say. Now, how am I doing? Hey, hey! Tweet, 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 twat, twat. Say, how am I doing? Hey, hey! Oh, be, oh, baby, oh, shy. Now, I'm not bragging, but it's understood that everything I do, I should do good. How am I doing? Hey, hey! Tweet, 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 twat, twat. playing by a white band in 1932. Very unusual in that last tune. How am I doing? Hey, hey. Uh, the Don Redmond tune had a marvelous little arrangement to it. We heard Pete Salemi on trombone. We heard Red Jaime on trumpet. Heard uh, uh, the saxophone section uh, recorded uh, with, with, with some precision there. Some very flashy saxophone uh, solely parts that were then uh, led into an alto solo by Mo Cohen. So before that, we heard um, The Call of the Freaks, that uh, bluesy tune, originally recorded by Louis Russell and uh, done by a number of bands, Western swing bands and uh, more standard dance bands and jazz bands. We heard some good clarinet by Nat Brown and more Pete Salemi and Red Jaime on trumpet as well. Then before that, uh, we heard the Darktown Strutters Ball, which was, a, as I said, a kind of a retro arrangement with a little Dixieland ensemble in there. Uh, and then uh, before that, Mouthful of Jam, the Archie Blyer tune, and Dinah before that. All of those featured vocals by Dick Robertson, except for Call of the Freaks, which featured the nominal leader, Joel Shaw, uh, playing piano and singing. That Mouthful of Jam is kind of interesting. Uh, not so much as a tune, it was a sort of a variation on St. James Infirmary, but it was uh, recorded by the Joel Shaw Band on March 10th of 1932. The Archie Blyer arrangement that I mentioned uh, earlier, which um, that recording was definitely based on, was uh, presented for copyright uh, in June, I believe, of... Uh, actually, May of 1932, so three months later... Um, Two months later, excuse me. So that's a good example of how probably uh, they were recording that from the, the, the handwritten parts or the preliminary uh, publisher's uh, stock arrangement before it was issued officially, because chances are uh, it was printed and then uh, sent off to the Library of Congress for copyright. So that uh, is an example of the recording being done before the uh, copyright uh, was actually taken. The only other recording I know of that was the ARC band. It was a studio uh, dance band for uh, one of the Dime Store labels that uh, did that in July of that year, and I don't believe it was ever released. 
So we're going to go on and hear some more Joel Shaw. Those recordings that we've heard so far uh, were taken from a CD uh, that was done by Tom, the Old Masters. came out at the beginning of the 2000s. It was a two-CD set. Uh, the first one was uh, recordings made under Gene Cardo's name, uh, the first handful of those. And the second one was the uh, first half of the recorded career of the Joel Shaw Orchestra. I was hoping they'd come out with more of those, but unfortunately they didn't. Uh, the magic of the internet, however, has given us the opportunity of finding a lot of things on there in their original 78 form. And, we're, and the rest of the tunes we're going to hear today, the next five anyway, are actual 78 recordings that were uh, put up on YouTube and some various uh, different 78 services and so forth. So the sound quality is a little bit rougher, but the musical quality is just as good. So, we're going to go now to uh, several jazz tunes that were arranged specifically for dance band. And there was, in the middle 30s, or early 30s, I should say, uh, kind of a rush to re-record uh, earlier jazz tunes. So there was a, um, a little bit of a, a market, I guess, for that, and for stock arrangements of tunes that had been recorded by the original Dixieland Jazz Band, or the New Orleans Rhythm Kings, or Bix Beiderbeck. Um, and uh, we're going to hear a couple of those, starting with That's a Plenty, which... Uh, was a standard tune from about 1920. The New Orleans Rhythm Kings recorded that, as did many other bands after that. And we're going to hear a uh, big band uh, arrangement of that. Following that, we're going to hear Clarinet Marmalade, the original Dixieland Jazz Band tune. Then we're going to go to uh, uh, a tune that was also recorded by Don Redden's band, Going to Town. Then another instrumental, Going to Town, actually, is a, is a vocal performance by uh, Dick Robertson. It's be, I think it's the only vocal on this uh, series we're going to hear. And then the uh, fourth tune will be a, uh, a jazz tune called White Zombie, sometimes just called Zombie. And then we're going to end up with a version of the original Dixieland One Step, another original Dixieland jazz band tune, all featuring these members of the Gene Cardos Band.
hoofers, grab your shoes, chase away those doggone blues. Uh-huh, oh yes, cause we're going to town. Listen to me and don't laugh, cause the hot time's in the bag. Uh-huh, oh yes, cause we're going to town. Old folks, young folks, gather round, there's nothing to learn. Better turn your dampers down, make sure your feet don't burn. Hurry up, no time to wait, everybody's syncopate. Uh-huh, oh yes, cause we're going to town.
Some very fine playing in there. We ended up with the original Dixieland One Step, and we heard some clarinet by Nat Brown, trumpet by Red Jaime, trombone by Pete Salemi, and tenor sax by Gabe Jalinas. At least as far as we know, that is the personnel taking the solos anyway. We started out with uh, the tune and that was called... That's a plenty, another jazz standard that uh, was taken directly from a '78, so that was a little bit, a little bit hairy in there, um, but um, still a good uh, performance of that. From there, we went to uh, the Clarinet Marmalade, another original Dixieland jazz band tune featuring suitably um, Nat Brown on clarinet. We then heard "Going to Town." I erroneously. Uh, said that uh, Don Redman had recorded that. It was actually Louis Russell and his jazz band that recorded that with a vocal by Chick Bullock. And uh, some of these uh, Gene Carter's recordings featured vocals by Chick Bullock as well as by Dick Robertson. So they utilized uh, both of those great studio vocalists. These Shaw, uh, Joel Shaw recordings just used Dick Robertson. Then we did an interesting tune, White Zombie, sometimes called Zombie, on the record that was credited to Gene Cardos, and it was recorded in a session in October of 1932. Uh, it probably had something to do with the movie White Zombie that came out in the summer of 1932, starring Bela Lugosi. Uh, it was for Universal Pictures. Pretty bad film by all accounts, but um, somehow it inspired that tune. I guess it wasn't used in the movie. Uh, it must have been just a, an original by Cardos, and we had the suitably... Uh, scary sounds of somebody um, doing a Bela Lugosi imitation at the beginning and the end of the record. 
So we hope you've enjoyed this uh, little excursion into white dance band music of 1932. This were all recorded uh, in about a year from the beginning of 1932 to the end of 1932. Uh, members of the Gene Cardo's band uh, recording under the name of Joel Shaw, his pianist. And uh, it shows that some of these white bands did get the uh, message in terms of jazz, and uh, they were, in fact, very effective jazz units and playing hot music from that period. We generally think of, you know, that as a period where hot music had kind of gone into hibernation for a while, uh, at least in, in dance bands. But very clearly this band, and uh, a little later on we'll be hearing music by the uh, Joe Hames band and from the same period, and clearly these were bands that were, uh, were very interested in maintaining the tradition of jazz in dance band music, and white dance band music anyway. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. Hope you've enjoyed the show. My name is John Clark. We have lots more coming up. We have quite a few podcasts in the can, as it were, right now. If you take a look, we have, I think, over 100 at this point. Uh, also some radio shows that I've done for WETF in South Bend, Indiana. So we're ranging around quite a bit over jazz history. If you'd like to uh, sponsor us, please do so. We have monthly sponsorship options or one time. And uh, let, uh, let us know uh, what you like and what you don't. You can always contact me on my social media, which is the name of my band, Wolverine Jazz Band. So, WolverineJazzBand.com or Wolverine Jazz Band on Instagram or Facebook. So, until the next time, I'll see you on the other side.